Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. We'll go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 this evening, and then we may get over into the book of 1 John. We'll have to kind of wait and see how it goes. I want to teach you a little bit. We may stay with this a few weeks because I believe it will help you on how to deal with the sin issue. Now, a lot of times when you say the word sin, people think of all kinds of outward things that people do. Well, you say, well you know, drinking or doing drugs or steal. Well, actually, you have to understand that the gospel teaches us in the New Covenant that anything that is not of faith is sin. Which means that anything that you can't have faith for or that you try to obtain another way, that that's sin to you. But you've got to understand some things about the nature of this thing so that you will be able to walk free from it in whatever form it tries to manifest in your life. Now, first of all, we must understand sin is a destructive force. Let me say that again. Sin is a destructive force. Very few people teach on it. Very few people even mention it because of the controversy connected to it. Now, when you study the Bible and you see the word sin, the word sin many times... Is, is, it, it represents two different things. Everybody say two. Now, number one, there's the sin nature. Everybody say the sin nature. There's the sin nature. And number two, there are individual acts of sin that happen in people's lives because of the sin nature. Now, each and every one of us were born into this world with the sin nature inherent in us. That's called iniquity. The Bible says Paul in writing to the church, I believe of the church at Corinth, says that we were formed or that we, we were, uh, how, does it, how does he say it? Help me with that, Lord. Oh, that we, were, that we were literally conceived in iniquity. David says that we were conceived in iniquity. Which means that there is a motivation in every person born into the human family to sin. Sin does not have to be taught. Sin does not have to be instructed. It is just natural for the human being to sin. It is in their nature. That is why Jesus said you must be born again. Once a person is born again, then the sin nature that is inherent in their human spirit is removed. It's one of the miracles of the new birth. Iniquity is severed and righteousness is imparted. In your human spirit right now, if you're a born again Christian, you no longer have the sin nature. I'm glad you're so excited. Let me say that again. In your human spirit right now, that is the real you. The Bible calls it the hidden man of the heart. The spirit man on the inside. In the real you, there is no sin nature any longer. There's only the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Which means the motivation to sin in your spirit is gone. Now sin is a very powerful force. Sin has more power than common sense. Let me say that again. Sin has more power than common sense. That's why people get addicted to things that their first experience with them was very negative. 
If you ever were addicted to tobacco or to alcohol, you understand that your first experience with either alcohol, tobacco, or drugs was a negative experience. Your physical body rejected that impartation of whatever it was, the nicotine and its however many hundred chemicals, or the alcohol and all that that entails, your body rejected it. So how did you end up smoking four packs a day? There had to be something that overrode common sense. What overrode common sense was the iniquity that was on the inside of you. But now that you're born again, that iniquity is out, but you're left with flesh and you're left with a mind that has been trained by the sin nature. Let me say that again. You're left with flesh and you're left with a mind that has been trained by the sin nature. There's no longer iniquity in your spirit, but the residue... Or the, how can we say it? It's kind of like killing a skunk. You kill a skunk, but what's left is the stink. And that stink can linger for days. Well, I want you to know through redemption, the skunk of sin has been killed, but the residue, the stench of it, lingers in your mind and in your flesh. That's why your flesh can be tempted and your mind can be tempted to sin. Now, look at Romans, what it says here in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. It says, let not sin... Therefore reign in your mortal body. Now what's he talking about? He's not talking about your human spirit. He's talking about your mortal body. Your mortal body is the earth suit that you wear. Some of you have a male earth suit. Some of you have a female earth suit. Some of you... Some of you do not understand that many of the time, many of the reasons that you fall back into temptation is that you have not taken your mortal body and done what God said to do with it, and that is presenting it to the Lord as a living sacrifice. So sin comes back in a temptation form to your physical body, and you have no resistance in you whatsoever. That's why you go back to the drugs. That's why you go back to the alcohol. That's why you go back to promiscuity. The Bible talks about in the book of Galatians, sins of the flesh. Everybody say sins of the flesh. Well, the Bible says right here, do not let them have dominion over you. Now notice what it says. Do not let them have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Everybody say grace. Now that is the ability of God to work on your behalf. Before you got saved, grace kept you alive, kept you out of the graveyard, kept you out of the penitentiary, kept you from being destroyed. Now you've heard the Word of God taught and preached. Now you have access by faith into grace that will help you to resist the temptation that is in your flesh to sin. Now, read on a little bit further and this will help you. It says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin... But yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now let me just say something to you right up front. We're not into legalism. We don't have a big code of thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. But you must understand that your own physical exposure to sin will weaken you to the point that you will have no resistance whatsoever. Now let me just say, if you get mad at me, well, praise God, what did one preacher say? If that rubs the fur the wrong way, turn the cat around. You cannot continually expose yourself. That means you can't go to the places where sin is allowed. That means you cannot be around that stuff anymore. I've heard people say, well, you know, now that I'm saved, I want to go back to the bars and preach. No, you don't. 
You don't want to go back. I want to go back to the drug addicts. And no, you don't. You do not want to get around that life or that lifestyle any longer. Now, if God puts a call on your life to do that, you want to obey that call. But outside of that, you want to stay away from that. You want to stay away from anything that will tempt your physical flesh or give you opportunity to sin. That means staying away. That means your feet and your members, which is your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, it needs to carry you away from that, not to that. If you are in an environment of sin, you will come to a place in which your flesh will no longer be resistant to it. That's one of the reasons God gives you church. To come to church to sit in an atmosphere of what? An atmosphere of righteousness. This is an atmosphere of righteousness. We worship God. We praise God. We teach the word. We prophesy. We lay hands on the sick. We get the lost saved. We get the sick healed. We get the oppressed delivered. We perform acts of righteousness or proof of our right standing with God. And also in our flesh, we yield our members. We lift our hands and worship God. We dance before the Lord. We shout unto the Lord. We give a hearty amen when the word of God is being preached. We, 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 we allow our flesh to participate with that which God is doing in righteousness. Now, notice what it says. This is interesting. It says in verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are, under the law? We are not under the law but under grace? Let me read that again. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Now let me just say something to you. Now, now, just because there is great exposure to a particular doctrine and it begins to become adhered to by multitudes of people, it does not make it a standard for righteousness. I don't care if the whole world, if everybody in the church starts sinning, I'm not going to sin. Now, there is a lot of doctrine being preached on the sub subject of grace. This has gone on for about a four or five year period. And it really talks about how, you know, well, grace, we're covered by grace. So really, sin is not an issue anymore. Then why is this teaching in the Bible? Why is this teaching in the Bible? Why is Paul admonishing us not to yield our members or our flesh to sin if grace covers all sin? And I listen, I'm the, I'll be the first one that stands up and says grace covers all sin. But let me say this, grace does not cover all of the effect of sin if you're involved in it. That's one thing they don't tell you in that doctrine. You say, what do you mean? You could say, well, pastor, it really doesn't matter, you know. I'm going to involve myself in this little thing over here, this little habit, this little way of life. And, you know, it's all covered by grace anyway. I'm already forgiven of everything past, present, or future. I agree. I agree. But you go play with that thing and play with that thing and play with that thing. And because of the Word of God, the Bible says the wage of sin is death. So you're involved in something that's going to do what? It's going to write you a paycheck one day. Let me try that again. It's going to write you a paycheck one day. And on that paycheck, it's going to say addiction. It's going to say destruction. It's going to say cancer. It's going to say heart problems. It's going to say whatever it says because you have opened the door through yielding to that sin. You say, but I thought grace covers it. Grace covers the act thereof, but not the consequence thereof. There is still a wage to be paid for sin. It'll destroy a marriage. It'll destroy a business. It'll destroy a church if it gets into a church. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to live free from sin. Now, notice what it says. It says, 
What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself, servant to obey, his servants you are. To whom you obey, whether of sin unto death of, or of obedience unto righteousness. So you are either yielding to one of two things. Sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Thank God tonight you're, you're obeying uh, righteousness that's, the, on the, that's on the inside. You've come to church. You've heard the word of God. You lifted your hands and praised God. Many of you came to the prayer service before church. You have yielded to what? The impulse or the motivation of righteousness on the inside of you. In so doing, you have strengthened your flesh against sin. Amen. It says, but God be thanked that you were. Everybody say, I was. You were the servants of sin, but obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine or system of truth which was delivered you. Being they then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak of the manner of men because of the weakness of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now listen, that's a lot of words. Listen to what it's saying. You used to what? Before you were saved, you yielded your members. What are your members? Your hands, your feet, your strength, your thinking faculties, your eyes, your ears. You yielded them to the sin nature. As you yielded them to the sin nature, you became the servant or the slave of that nature. Some people, through willpower, resist it. And don't get into near as much trouble, trouble as other people. Other people have no resistance in them whatsoever, and they end up addicted to everything. They end up putting all kinds of stuff in front of their eyes. They end up in bondage to all kinds of devils and demons. Can I get an amen? And sin begins to, 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 begins to, begins to uh, uh, extract a great price from them. Amen. But now the Bible says, now you have an opportunity to what? Yield your members that you used to yield to sin, yield them to servants, to righteousness, which brings holiness. That means instead of pornography in your eyes, you put the word. That means instead of uh, Old Crow or, or Jim Beam, you put the Holy Ghost in. That instead of reaching your hand out to sin, you reach it up to worship God. Instead of your feet taking you to the beer joint and to this place and to that place, it takes you to church. You begin to yield your members as servants to righteousness and in so doing, you strengthen yourself against the sin nature that's inherent in your flesh and mind. You have to fight this fight. Now, go to 1 John real quick. 1 John. And those that have taught on the grace, what they call the grace message, one of the statements they've made is grace now replaces faith. You don't need faith anymore. All you need is grace. Try that with your faith scriptures. Take the word faith out, put grace in there, and see how it works. It won't work. But now this is their most controversial scripture. They hate this scripture. 1 John, which is the gospel of John, first epistle of John. Let's just begin in verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5, the first epistle of John. Listen to this. It says, this then is the message which we have heard of him 
and declare unto you that God is light. Everybody say, God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, one of the great ways to get the sin nature out of you is to hang around the kingdom. Hang around the body of Christ. Be around people of God. You say, why? Because iron sharpeneth iron. And it's not easy to live in sin and be around people who are not living in sin. But it's real easy to get out of sin and live around people who are out of sin because literally that which is righteous among us all helps us all to walk in righteousness. There's a scripture over in the, in the Minor Prophets that says this. It said, if the priest goes into the temple and presents that which is holy unto the Lord and comes out sanctified from the temple, why is that which is unholy when it touches him imparts unto him unholiness and not righteousness? You say, well, what does that mean? It means that which is unholy will taint that which is righteous. But that which is righteous will not have any effect whatsoever on that which is unholy. Uh-oh. You say, what do you mean? You get around stuff that is unholy as a righteous person and it will begin to have an effect on you. The Bible says Lot's righteous soul was vexed. That word vexed means hardened and callous to the point where he could not hear from God. God had to tell Abraham to go rescue him because he couldn't speak to Lot. Let me say that again. God had to tell Abraham, go rescue Lot because God couldn't speak to him. So God actually ended up not sending Abraham but sending actually two angelic visitations to him so that he could rescue him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. It says what? Get away from sin. Stay away from it. Live holy. Live righteous. Now notice what it says. Is this helping anybody? It says... But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, now this is not talking about, you know, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Now that's not what it's saying. It's talking about the sin nature in your mind and flesh. If you get up and say, there's no chance I'll ever sin because my flesh is so sanctified and my mind is so pure from renewing. Now, now, now what's happened? You've gotten off into pride and you're in sin right there. And you're lying because you'll end up in sin there. Amen? I mean, you'll just end up messed up. This is talking about the nature that's left in your flesh. If we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You've got to admit, there's some sin in your flesh. Now, I'm not talking about individual acts of trespass. I'm talking about the potential for you to do what? Yield to something that's not right. It is in your flesh. Nobody's shouting over that one. But now notice this. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. There are areas of my flesh that I'm working on. And I'm not going to put that junk in my eyes anymore. I'm not going to put that junk in my flesh anymore. I'm not going to put those drugs without alcohol. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to yield myself to the sin nature that's in my flesh anymore. Forgive me. The Bible says to do what? Now notice this is interesting. 
it says that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He is not speaking to sinners. Who is the scripture written to? It's written to the church, to us. Now notice chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, who's he writing to? The church, my little children. These things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Now, Jesus is in heaven. And he is what? He's the advocate. He's the propitiation for our sin. You also have the accuser of the brother. He's the devil. Now, he would like to stand and accuse you before God day after day after day. But Jesus will say unto God, remember, you redeemed their spirit, not their mind or their flesh. One day their mind, one day their flesh will enter into the fullness of redemption. In the meantime, they are in a fight down on the earth. So I stand in between you, a judgment God, and them that need judgment in their flesh and their mind. And I give them the choice to what? Judge themselves and confess their sin to who? To the only one that can do anything about it. A priest can't do anything for you. He's got sin in his life just like you do. But you confess it to who? The only one that can do anything about it. You confess it to God, and the Bible says he is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So anytime that your flesh flares up, sin can be anger. Sin can be lying. Uh, sin, there's all kinds of things that you can get yourself into. Sin can be manipulation and intimidation and control. You know, we think of sin, we think of the, the drugs and we think of all, but many times that's a much lesser level of sin than some of the spiritual things that we try to get ourselves into, which actually are manifestations of the flesh, because even witchcraft itself is called a work of the flesh. But we get into those things trying to manipulate, trying to control, trying to intimidate, lying, walking, not walking in love, hating, doing all these kind of things. And then we judge people that are out there drinking out of a sack. When in reality, they're probably living a better life than we are. Full of hate. Come on. Full of prejudice. Full of all kind of junk that's part of the works of the flesh. That we should be going to the Father and say, Father, forgive us. Because I don't want a paycheck because of this junk in my life. Now, if you make a choice to do that. You say, but pastor, if my flesh is like that, what can I do? Every day, use your members to serve God. Use your eyes to read the Word. Use your mouth to pray. Use your feet to take you to some place to serve or witness to somebody. Use your hands to lift up to God and to worship Him. Use your hands to turn the pages of the Bible. Use your heart to love your brother and sister in Christ. Use everything that you have in your makeup and your being to serve God with. Serve Him spirit. Everybody say spirit. Serve Him with your soul, which is your mind, with the way you think, your, 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 your emotions, which is the way you feel, and your choices, which is your will, which is the choices you make, and serve Him with all of your flesh. Now, that doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. That doesn't mean you won't get into trouble. Here's the problem people have, is they have a situation in their life that's repetitive, and they keep getting into trouble in that certain situation.
And instead of continually fighting that and overcoming that, they give up. And the Bible says the deceitfulness of sin will what? Harden you. So you become hardened to a certain area of sin in your life. You have no power to repent. The word means repent means to turn from and go to another direction, go in another direction. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to God by faith. You need to say, Heavenly Father, I recognize I have this problem in my flesh. And here's the thing. Work on, work on them. Don't give up. You say, but it's been happening every day. Then you every day do this. Every day you do this. You say, Heavenly Father, I, I, I've been angry today. I let my anger rise up. I said things I shouldn't say. I know that's a sin because the Bible says be angry and sin not. That, does, that means don't give expression to your anger. I've been angry. I said something to my wife. I said something to my child. I did something that was wrong because of my anger. Heavenly Father, now I ask you, you said in the Word, that if I would come to you and confess that to you, you would be faithful to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So, Father, I ask you, please forgive me. Not for my own sake, but for the sake of the blood that Jesus shed. Because it is blood, it is his blood that cleanses me from all sin and unrighteousness. Now I ask you, now that I am forgiven, I ask you for power to repent. For power to rise up out of my spirit, put a watch on my tongue, put a watch on my mind, so that when anger begins to come, I begin to recognize it. Put a, con a control switch in me so that I will be able to not yield to that anger. Yield to that lie. A lot of people get so developed in lying it becomes such because that's what happens to a lot of kids when they grow up. As a child, you learn to lie without effect. You say, what do you mean lie without effect? You tell one lie, nothing happens. You tell another lie, nothing happens. You tell another lie, nothing happens. You tell another lie, nothing happens. You tell another. Next thing you know, you get 14, 15, 16 years old, and you are a very highly developed liar. And one day, the check will get written, the wage will be paid. But then you make a decision I'm not going to let that happen to me. Glory to God. I'm going to confess that, Lord, I have had a problem with lying. Therefore, I am not going to lie any longer. And I'm asking you for the ability, now that you have forgiven me and cleansed me from all unrighteousness, I'm asking you for the ability to repent and turn from a nature of lying. Because if you study what a liar is, God hates them. And has got a place for them. So you don't want to enter into that. So you want to do what? You want to go before the Lord and you want to say, Heavenly Father, forgive me. Give me the ability to repent and turn from lying, from sexual sin of any kind. That'll destroy you. From any sins of the desires of your flesh, any appetite you've yielded to, which could cause addiction or anything like that. Any type of thoughts of intimidation, control or manipulation, which is witchcraft. Those three things joined together create witchcraft. Are you with me? Any type of prejudice that's in you. So I don't like this kind of person. I don't like that kind of person. That's a sin. God's created us all in the likeness and image of himself. Amen. Uh, any type of stealing. Thou shalt not steal. To hate is to murder. God sees hate as murder. He sees hate as murder. He says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. 
any type of hate. Well, you don't know what they've done to me. I have the right to hate them. No, you don't. No, you have to forgive them. So if you'll go through your life and begin to pick these things out and work on them, and if you fall and if you fail, get up. Father, forgive me. If you have to do it, how many times? What did Peter say? Seventy times seven, 490 times in the day. You don't have the same thought 490 times in a day. But if that's how hard you have to fight it, God says fight it that hard. If 490 times in a day you have to go to the Father and say, Father, I need to confess this before you. Forgive me and give me the strength to repent. Then you do it day after day after day till it only takes you 489 times. Then you do it day after day, week after week, month after month, till it only takes 488 times. Then you do it day after day, week after month, week after week, month after month, till it only takes you 487 times. Then you do it week after week, day after day, month after month, till it takes you only 486 times. Then you do it day after day, week after week, month after month, till it only takes you 485 times. Then you do it day after day, week after week, month after month, till it only takes you 484 times. Then you do it day after day, week after week, month after month, till it only takes you 488 three times. Then you do it day after day, week after week, month after month, till it only takes you 480. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? That means you don't quit, you don't give up, till it only takes you one time, and then the next day you're free. And sin shall not have what? Dominion over you, and you shall not be its slave in your flesh or in your mind, just like you are by the work of redemption in your spirit. Amen? Does that help you tonight? Lift up your hands and thank God that you're freed from sin. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And because of that, Father, we can be free from sin. In Jesus' precious name. Stand on your feet this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Father, as we leave tonight the house of the Lord, we take with it the revelation you've imparted to us today, the anointing and your presence. We thank you go with us. Not only that, your protection and your safety. Travel with us as we go forth from this place. Father, thank you whether we travel the highways, the airways, the seaways, the Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.